This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. And there you have it. The Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champs. Thanks for spending some time with me. I'm Dan McNeil, and this is another edition of the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. My thanks to Adam Delavid, who brought me to Bet Rivers a year and a half ago when they agreed to be the title sponsors of my terrestrial radio show on WJOB and Jed TV in Hammond, Indiana, my hometown radio station. And Adam is in charge of the podcast network. Uh, He's got some real heavy hitters out of East, like Mike Francesa, Mark Madden from Pittsburgh, Mike Missanelli. I'm happy to be in his stable. Uh, It has been an absolute treat for me to have the freedoms I've had to just talk football with you these last 24 weeks since the season started and going back to August when I did my first podcast on the Hall of Fame enshrinements. It's been a lot of fun for me and Sam Michael, who is uh, very happy today walking on air as a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. And why wouldn't you be? Your team came back and won that game last night after a horrendous first half performance, had them trailing 24 to 14 after the break. And Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, was doing what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. They didn't really get A.J. Brown going in in a rhythm at all, and they didn't need to in the first half. They didn't need to have anything out of their best running back, Miles Sanders. Man, a lot of money was put in his camp for, for prop bets for Super Bowl 57, and he did nothing the entire night, but the, the Eagles didn't get, uh, didn't Daniel Hertz wasn't under a lot of duress, all of the talk. And I was wrong on both sides of the line of scrimmage. My bad, my bad, my bad on the sack parade. I was expecting, man, it just didn't happen. All the talk about how Hassan Reddick is going to wreck that chief's offensive line. And why wouldn't you feel that way going in? The Eagles led the league in sacks this year. You got to go back to the 85 Bears to find a team that had more sacks in a season than these Eagles did. And it wasn't just with Reddick. It was Javon Hargrave, the tackle, who was, I don't even know if, if Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson called his name last night. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, the veteran out of Michigan. All these guys in Domicong Sioux who were, Expected to have a huge impact in the game, did not. The, the the Chiefs deployed a very short passing game and quick releases, and when Mahomes did have to run, he ran effectively. But the pass rush 
And the same on the other side, with Chris Jones being neutralized as much as he was. Uh, Frank Clark, you know, he got some pressures on Hurts. He chased him around, but uh, it, it wasn't enough for either defense. The offense has had their way. It's a 38-35 to 35 final score. It was, you know, an exciting football game full of splash plays. But on balance, I, I guess I'm a little dissatisfied with the quality of the game. I wanted more rhythm in the football game. I, you know, call me old school or a dinosaur if you want, but I'd rather see a team come up and start handling the line of scrimmage, win the, win the battles at the point of attack, and run the football effectively to set up your pass game, or even if your pass game sets up your run and you pass the ball to score points and then run the ball to win the game. That's okay, too. But uh, Jalen Hurts was every bit as effective as, as any running back in the game. Now, my guy, Isaiah Pacheco, winds up leading the game and rushing. Uh, he had 75 yards on 15 carries. Hurts had the same number of carries, 15 uh, tries for 70 yards, three touchdowns. He also had more than 300 yards passing and a passing touchdown. So here is here's my my second takeaway on the game is the MVP and how Hurts got screwed. But what I want to address first is the penalty that was called on James Bradbury and his reaction to it afterward. The reaction in the booth from Olsen sparking a panic and angry fans across the nation because for the first time in the game, Olsen made a mistake. It wasn't the arm, it wasn't the left arm of Bradbury around the left hip butt of Juju Smith-Schuster that drew the flag. It was the tug of the front of the jersey with the right hand that preceded it. And Fox did a shit job of getting the right look at it. So Olsen is reacting primarily to the hand on the hip. It's third and eight. You know, and that's another part of the conversation I'll get to. But what did Bradbury say after the game? I held him. He said, I held him. I was hoping they'd let it slide. It's a it's a penalty. It should have been a penalty. It was a penalty. It's not the reason the Eagles lost the freaking game. They lost the game on the previous play or two plays back when Mahomes took off and ran for 25 yards for a first down. That was the Eagles' biggest collapse. That hurt them more than the call. Even if they didn't get that call, it, it is extremely likely Harrison Butker kicks the game-winning field goal. The difference is the Eagles would have had a minute and 48 seconds with which to work. Instead, the Chiefs get a fresh set of downs. Jarek McKinnon does the right thing and doesn't cross the plane of the goal line when he runs to the left pylon and he was given the matador technique. Ole, come on in. They wanted the ball back, the Eagles did, but McKinnon smartly went down, much to the delight of Travis Kelsey, who had a real nice game for the Chiefs. I, I don't want to see anybody stick a microphone in front of Kelsey after a game again. I, I could, I, I don't need that anymore. But what is a foul 
in the first two minutes of a game is a foul in the last two minutes of the game. There are not differing rules. There are no caveats in rule books in any sport. I don't care if it's an NHL playoff game, game seven of the cup final. You can't call that in the last two minutes. Bullshit. If it's a foul, it's a foul. It was a foul. He impeded the path of Juju Smith-Schuster. He tugged at his jersey. You can see it if you look hard enough because there haven't been enough great angles of it shown, at least not video. Everybody keeps showing you the hand on the hip. That wasn't the penalty. The penalty was the jersey tug. It's, It's clearly visible. And Bradbury said he held his jersey. What more evidence do you need? But the nonsense that you don't call that in the final two minutes of the game, sure you do. If it's a penalty, it gets called. It sucks to have a penalty swing a huge game, like a Super Bowl. It sucks. But if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. And it was, and justice prevailed. That You know, the Eagles outplayed the Chiefs for 47 minutes. They deserved to win the Super Bowl up until the point when Patrick Mahomes moved the chains and put his team in the red zone. That's when it became the Chiefs game. And it was an amazing performance by Mahomes in the second half. He wins the MVP of the game on the heels of winning the league's MVP, the first guy to get them both since Kurt Warner did it for the St. Louis Rams back in the late 90s, the greatest show on turf. I I, I think part of the, the trouble with why people were so up with the penalty was Olsen's reaction to it. And it's sullied an otherwise great broadcast. And I think that Burkhart and Olsen, while they are not, for me, what I think of when I think of a network's A crew, the number one crew on a network, they get that chance this year when Buck and Aikman went to do Amazon Thursday nights. I'm sorry, when they went to do Monday nights on ESPN. What am I thinking of? What's the matter with me? That's the Al Michaels snooze fest on Thursday night. I'm a little bit uh, low on sleep after this one. Stayed up all night. But Olsen created a panic that didn't need to be made. And Olsen was receiving a ton of bouquets via social media for the show last night. And deservedly so. I think for a guy just two years in, Greg Olsen has done a terrific job as a young NFL broadcaster. And I think Fox should be given some credit for easing him into the job. It's not a job that's as easy as people think it is. You know, just because you played in the league or know the game or you're a character, it's it's hard reacting on the fly. It's a discipline and you don't just slip the headphones on and are, you know, are all of a sudden great. Olsen brought, brought it along slowly by doing studio work last year. They're the, they're the second crew with Buck and Aikman ahead of them. And now they, they moved the number one this year, but I think it certainly makes the Tom Brady hire by Fox look curious. And there's speculation. How in the world do you put Brady ahead of this guy? Well, I don't think Olson's that goddamn good that you, Oh, he can't put, he did a nice job. He's really, really good. It's a really clean broadcast. They don't get in the way. 
but there's no real star power with Kevin Burkhart. He's, he's national Mark Shinowski. Here's what really, really pissed me off about, about last night's decision makers. And it's a team game. And I, I don't care all too often about individual accolades, but Jalen Hurts got screwed last night. Hurts was a co-MVP at the minimum. He passed for more than 300 yards in a touchdown, and he wasn't intercepted. Now, he had an unforced error when he was running for his life and lost control of the ball, and Nick Bolton picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. That's on Hurts. So he cost his team, but he immediately redeemed himself. Cat wasn't intercepted the whole night. Passer completion percentage was solid. His rating was solid, and he ran for 70 yards and three touchdowns. And the two-point conversion that tied it, 35-35. to He got screwed. This is among the top three screw jobs for MVP in the history of a game with Roman numerals. I got them for you. Super Bowl seven, Jake Scott of the Dolphins in Miami's first Super Bowl win was the MVP. He had a he had an interception in the game. Dick Shap from Sport Magazine, an NFL broadcaster, a sportscaster, not NFL, for many years, was the only guy who had a Super Bowl MVP vote in that game. He admitted years later he was hungover and didn't watch the game very well, and anybody who would have watched the game would have given the award to Manny Fernandez of the Dolphins, a defensive tackle, the alligator wrestler, that was his uh that was his whole shtick, his persona. And Manny Fernandez got effed and he didn't win the award, and it cost him an opportunity to make a fortune after his football life. And what it would have done for young Hispanic men in America in terms of having a role model, somebody to shoot for. Hey, look at this. Uh, Manny Fernandez just won Super Bowl MVP. We can play football too, damn it. And and Dick Schaap is too hungover to recognize it. So Jake Scott is the MVP. And when you're a Super Bowl MVP, you're a candidate to charge $25,000 a speaking engagement for a long, long time. And there are opportunities all over America, all over the world. But you, you have conventions in Las Vegas or in Orlando, and you have... Um, a big hotel ballroom full of 500 attorneys or 500 insurance salesmen. Um, the electronics show when it comes to Chicago and is held at McCormick. You, you could probably fill a room of 2,000 people and speakers get paid nice tariffs for coming in to delivering an entertaining message and signing autographs, taking pictures, doing a Q&A. Manny Fernandez lost a lot of money by not winning Super Bowl Seven MVP. He got screwed terribly. And a, a more recent Super Bowl MVP screwage, was when the Seahawks dismantled the Broncos nine years ago in Super Bowl 48. The Legion of Boom 
just intimidated the shit out of the Broncos from the very first snap when the ball went sailing over Peyton Manning's head and the game starts with a safety. You recall that Super Bowl when the Broncos just shriveled? When Seahawks safety Cam Chancellor just drilled the tight end, Julius Thomas, separated him from the ball, just just smacked him silly. And you could feel, it was palpable on television, you could feel the Broncos players questioning their own man, manhood, man root. Maybe too, maybe that too. Uh, you you could just you sense they were intimidated. You really could on television. Chancellor set the tone. Cam Chancellor had a pick in the game. He was the most valuable player in Super Bowl 48. The award went to Seahawks linebacker Malcolm Smith. Now, if I would have just said which Seahawks linebacker won the MVP, you would have thought Bobby Wagner, right? He's going to the Hall of Fame. Bobby Wagner did not win it. It was Malcolm Smith. He had two picks. One of them was returned for a touchdown. But the game was out of hand when when he returned his interception for a touchdown. The Seahawks already had put Denver in the rearview mirror. Cam Chancellor went into the game as a 75-1 to pick to win the MVP, and he didn't win it, and he should have. And, yes, I got screwed on it. My producer, Nick Shepkowski, and I loved him at 75 to 1. We put 25 bucks in an, on that as one of our prop plays in the Super Bowl, and we got screwed. And we weren't the only ones in the country who were jumping up and down about it the next day. No less of an authority than Peter King wrote a column, his Monday morning quarterback, all over the selection of Malcolm Smith, and he called Camp Chancellor not winning at one of the biggest screw jobs in the history of the Super Bowl. I agreed. I agreed Dick Schapp screwed the pooch when he didn't give Manny Fernandez the award. It should have gone to Fernandez, number 75, the alligator wrestler, and it should have gone to Cam Chancellor from the Legion of Boom. One of the top three defenses or top five defenses for sure in NFL history. That is such an elite top five. The Bears of the mid to late 80s, I would say 84, 85, the sweetest spot over a two-year stretch. The Seahawks, who went to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, should have won them both. But you recall where they didn't give the football to the beast, Marshawn Lynch. Instead, they threw an interception, and that changed the outcome of that game. So they should have won two straight. Uh, Bears only won one. Of course, the 70s Steelers are a great defense, and the Ravens of, of 0-0. Th- th- those are the top four, those, those four teams. And the, the Giants of, of 86 as well. And they won another title, a Super Bowl title in Super Bowl 25. They won it in 21 and 25, but a lot of personnel changes along the way. I would say they are just out. Uh, they're the next in line maybe on the Mount Rushmore, they're fifth. And you can only have four in Mount Rushmore unless you're Magic Johnson. After the Warriors won the NBA championship this past spring, he said, yeah, Steve Kerr, he's definitely on my Mount Rushmore of coaches. And then he named five coaches. 
hey, if it's if it's good enough for Magic, maybe I can have five defenses on my all defense Mount Rushmore. But I'm getting I'm getting way off track because you know that these conversations take so many different turns because of the interesting history of the greats of all time and where Patrick Mahomes is fitting in now, the legacy. What what did he say about his future last night? So that's easy for us to do, to get swept up in the moment and try to put some sort of historical perspective on it. To me, before I get to Mahomes, what I would say about Jalen Hurts' performance last night is it represents the third, one of the biggest three screw jobs in the history of Super Bowl MVP. He couldn't be contained. He played with poise. He averaged four and a half, what, five yards per carry almost, 15 rushes for 70 yards and three touchdowns and a PAT. So as a runner, he accounted for 20 points. The only guy in Super Bowl history in case you didn't know, they didn't say it during the broadcast last night. I haven't watched a second time. I'll need to do that today or certainly before I get back with you on Thursday. Terrell Davis of the Broncos previously was the only guy to rush for three touchdowns in a Super Bowl. He did that against the Packers um, when the game was played at Qualcomm Stadium in Davis's hometown of San Diego. So Jalen Hurts gets that little piece of Super Bowl history. You know, and you can say what you want about, well, rushing touchdowns, you know, 70 yards rushing, not all. It's it's 70. He's only one of two guys to do it in 57 of these things. Two guys have rushed for three touchdowns, Terrell Davis and Jalen Hurts. Hurts passed for 300-plus yards. He wasn't intercepted. He threw for a touchdown. Yeah, he had the bad turnover. He deserved co-MVP. He put all the pressure you could possibly put on a guy. And Mahomes Mahomes was up to the task. Patrick Mahomes did it again. His second Super Bowl championship, his second Super Bowl MVP. He's been to three Super Bowls. At 27, he has begun writing a script to one of the greatest legacies in the game's history. If he doesn't play until he's into his late 30s, it's going to be impossible for him to equal what Tom Brady did. But until he gets to Brady, he's got some other guys he has to he has to leapfrog. He still has to leapfrog Montana. He still has to get past Bradshaw in terms of winning championships, not saying you know, MVP quality, just saying winning the championships. That's what goes with the territory when you get to the great quarterbacks of all time. That's why Dan Marino is dismissed so fast. Uh, he can't possibly be a top five. Now he's not a top 10 guy because he never won a Super Bowl. That's the price you pay. You get too much blame when your team loses. You get too much credit when they win. It should be based on more than that. But Mahomes now has two titles. He's He is carving out a, a resume that is going to wind up making him one of the elites who ever played the game, if he wants to keep playing it. And no reason to believe he doesn't. He was he was good last night when he had to be. That, that scramble, and you just, you know, whether you're invested or not, you can't help but wince knowing the pain this guy was seemingly was in right before half when he when he showed up lame. 
But uh, a, a gritty performance. And, you know, for fewer than 200 passing yards, you say, well, can you really give the guy an MVP? Yeah, you can. You can. When he wins the game for you, you can give him the MVP. Should have been shared. It should have been between the two quarterbacks. And I had no skin in the game. I I picked both of the long shots because I thought the game was going to be dominated by pass rushers. God, was I off the mark. I took a flyer on Hassan Reddick because he was 25 to 1. I took Chris Jones because he was 45 to 1 at Bet Rivers. I took long shots because long shots are fun to root for. And I was expecting pass rushers to have good nights. They didn't. So uh, no skin in the game, but this 24-year-old kid, Jalen Hurts, may never get there again. And that's what makes it so, I don't want to say criminal because that's overstating it. It's sports criminal that he didn't share the award with Mahomes. If he doesn't wind up going back to a Super Bowl, he will lose over time his rightful place in the history of that game. When they roll out, I like to say roll out, when the the living former MVPs come out at the at the ballpark on the day of the game, the NFL is so good at marketing its product, and uh, it, it's just a, an amazing thing uh, that happens for you when you win that. It's, it's something that is bested only by getting the, the bust in Canton, Ohio. It's an incredible honor and award for the rest of your life. And it's, it's, it's only been won by a guy on a losing team one time in case you're wondering. And many of you know this, that was Chuck Howley of the Cowboys. I remember the game it was the, the the Baltimore Colts beating the Dallas Cowboys 16-13. to 13. Uh, Jim O'Brien, number 80, a straight-on kicker, kicking straight on for you. He, um, he blasted the game winner through the uprights, but Cowboys linebacker Chuck Howley, number 54, had a big game. He had a pick or two, uh, forced a fumble, recovered a fumble, had a lot of tackles. Uh, he, by the way, his name was called when the NFL's um, honor show went down Thursday night in Phoenix and uh, Chuck passed away a few years ago, his son um, walked out on stage and uh, his son will be representing Chuck um, when he is enshrined in Canton later this year in August, one of nine enshrinees. And I, I thought all of them accepting Zach Thomas were, were very deserving of, of the recognition. But um, that's a topic for another day. So Howley's the only loser to win MVP. Only once have two guys shared Super Bowl MVP. They also were Dallas Cowboys. Randy White, a badass pass rusher, uh, who when he wasn't uh, crushing quarterbacks, he was on his Ranger boat throwing spinnerbaits for largemouth bass. I uh, I often, when I was in my early 20s, thought, man, how cool would it be to go bass fishing with Randy White, kid from Maryland? He was a beast. He was the co-MVP with fellow pass rusher Harvey Martin. Uh, you might remember 
Ed Too Tall Jones. They called Harvey Martin Harvey Too Mean Martin, number 79. That's the only time the award's been shared. Should have been shared last night for the second time. Should have gone to a player, one of those, uh, from the losing team. That also would have been a second time. And it's a travesty. A lot of Bears fans are wondering. And that's it for my Super Bowl thoughts today. Uh, Weird game. Glad I had a small move on the Chiefs in the over, but I got absolutely wiped out on my prop bets. Miles Sanders didn't show up. Uh, I underestimated Travis Kelsey in receiving yards. I did a slot bet on Kelsey receiving yards, 55 to 69, because it was plus 450 or something like that. I did get any time touchdown score for both uh, the Manimal uh, Isaiah Pacheco and A.J. Brown, the only TD pass the Eagles had, uh, one of four Hertz touchdowns on the day. But I, I got smoked. I had pass rushers. I had total sacks over five and a half. I had false start for first penalty. That didn't go my way. Just a lot, a lot of bad moves. But I, I wind up coming close to even after all of it because of the the three or four win. Well, because of the parlay, that helps, even though I didn't have big money on the Chiefs. It was a rooting interest more than anything. I didn't want to have to listen to Bears fans be telling me for the next eight months before the team goes to camp or whatever the hell it is. Uh, hey, look, a running quarterback has now won the MVP. But Bears fans, I was starting to say, are upset about Devin Hester not getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Look, here's the deal. He was the best at what he did. He was an electrifying kick returner. He changed games. He set up his team for a short field on which to work when the opponent didn't want to give him a chance to break their back with a hundred yard return and get a stadium going absolutely bananas. He wasn't smart enough to stay on the field and participate in more than eight or 10 plays a game. I need more than that to make a strong case for Hester. Even as a collegian, he wasn't coachable. The Miami, Florida staff couldn't get him to figure out what a hot color meant. He Hot color at the line of scrimmage, and it changes series to series or certainly half to half, even at the high school level and many programs. If you hear this color, blue, that means I'm changing the play. Devin couldn't grasp that. His Wonderlick score was among the lowest in the history of the NFL Combine. Not a bright guy to understand a position, and he couldn't play defense. They tried him as a corner at Miami as well. He couldn't figure any of it out. So as a return man, where it's all just you know instinctive, he was the best. But man, with skills like that, when you can change a game like he could change the game, but couldn't couldn't manage to intellectualize the game enough to be more of a full-time participant. I, I can't feel sorry for him not getting in. I, I can't I can't push hard for Devin Hester. And I make no apologies for it. Uh, if you is nine too many? Yes. I think nine is excessive. Uh, there are better football players than Zach Thomas enshrined in, in, you know, who aren't enshrined in Canton. And I don't know if the world needed to have offensive mind Don Coriel in the pro football hall of fame, a guy who was an early advocate for more of a passing style, hence the nickname air Coriel 
Um, was that necessary? I don't know. Never won a Super Bowl. Innovator, sure. You know what you got when you got innovators, when you got influencers, you got guys who didn't have a big hit. I've said that about musicians when they pass, and you could say the same thing about coaches. Oh, what an innovator. Look at all the guys who are on his tree. Did he ever win a title? That goes a long way. Andy Reid has now won two. Says he's going to keep going. Good for him if that's what he wants to do. 65 years old, and he certainly uh, – many people felt he didn't need to win the Super Bowl three years or four years ago when he got his first to get into shrine enshrined in Canton. I thought he did either way. He's now got two and got a real good chance of getting another one next year because number 15 has a long time to heal up. Anyway, that's a wrap. I know I've been a little bit all over the place. Look for me on social media. I'm going to give you a chance on social media in the next couple of days to ask a question or comment on the podcast. That's what I'm looking for from you. I For those who don't listen to my podcast, I'll ask them to give me a sports question or something. But you're a customer. You've been listening to me this morning or this afternoon, whenever you caught Super Bowl 57's podcast or in previous episodes. I would like your input on what I've been doing, and thank you for listening to it. Please subscribe to it if you haven't done so already. This is my job, man, and I, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it, and I want to keep doing it. Uh, need the help of the audience. Spread the word. Tell people to subscribe. But if you have any comments on on what I've been doing, where this thing's going, whatever. And they don't have to be nice either. I'm not looking for applause. You can reach out to me on Twitter. Be looking for my my posts on Twitter, my tweets uh, on Twitter, my posts on Facebook. I'm at uh, Danny Mac Show on Twitter and Facebook, Dan McNeil, M-C-N-E-I-L. Thank you for listening and uh, hope you have a great day. Adam Delavid at Bet Rivers. Thank you, Sam Michael, my Chiefs loving producer. Thank you for helping out as well. Back on Thursday with all kinds of fun stuff. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.